trouble. The walls and the gates are torn down. The people are dejected. And there's much praying. Trouble. Walls built. People built. The people prayed. Trouble. Walls. People. Praying. Can you say that with me? Trouble. Walls. People. Praying. God often raises ordinary men and women to significant positions to accomplish great things. Esther was one of those as well as Nehemiah. His story takes place after his people had lost their homeland, their temple, and almost their identity. They were exiled into a foreign country and a few had returned to rebuild. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, a layperson, not a prophet and not a priest. A cupbearer is kind of like a personal waiter, a well-paid and influential position waiter. Typically a male, the cupbearer would pour, taste, and present the king his goblet of wine. Nehemiah received some bad news about his homeland, great trouble, shame, broken down walls, gates destroyed by fire. He wept. He mourned. He fasted. And he prayed. He prayed asking that the Lord would make the king merciful to his situation. When Nehemiah brought the king his cup, the the king noticed that he was sad. The king had mercy and eventually sent Nehemiah to, to Jerusalem with tremendous support and supplies. In Jerusalem, under the cover of night, he scouted out the broken down wall. And he witnessed with his own eyes the ruined walls and burned down gates. Speaking to the Jews, he said, hey, we're in trouble. Ruined walls and burned gates. Let's rise up and build. And they replied, yes, let's rise up and let's rebuild the wall. And so they began working. Most of the time when you start something new or change things from what is known or expected, you receive disapproval. Nehemiah sure did. Three outside leaders mocked, ridiculed, laughed, despised, and scoffed at Nehemiah's work, his leadership, and his vision. But others caught hold of the vision. The gates were repaired and rebuilt. And by the way, they weren't all carpenters and skilled craftsmen. It's kind of like us going on generational mission trip. We aren't all skilled. But the work we do, we do it with joy. They had priests and goldsmiths and perfumers and temple servants and merchants and daughters all joined into the work. It was an all-hands-on-deck, bring what talent you have. We are in this together, each carrying their own weight. God's people working together to accomplish a great thing. A precursor to Paul writing about all the members of the body of Christ 
operating out of necessity and working together as one. He, he writes this, the body has many different parts, not just one part. There are many parts of one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You are all the body of Christ and individually members of it. The work was embraced by many, but not all. The Tekoite noble, Scripture says, they would not stoop to serve their Lord. You and I know that is not the way. We know that the Lord Jesus himself took on the form of a servant, emptied himself, humbled himself, even washing feet. As Jesus' followers, we know this is the way. Be like Jesus, not like the Tychonite nobles. Work continued and the gates were completed. The, the three naysayers rose again, calling into question Nehemiah's motive, ability, dedication, and quality of the work. Nehemiah prayed and the work continued. The wall is now half the height that it needed to be. And the people had a mind to work and so they did. The three naysayers, the cynics, got together and joined in on a wet blanket committee. And this is how it typically happens. The cynic virus spreads as people enlist others to meet down at Donald and Debbie Downer's home. And that's where the plotting occurs, confusion sets in, and malcontents recruit. So Nehemiah prays and he sets guard at night. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And there comes a time when the importance of self-defense arises. Nehemiah reminded the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Can you say that with me? Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. In Christ, God has fought a victory for us and has won the victory. The weapons they use are the weapons that we use. Prayer and obedient action focused on trusting God. Our God will fight for us. And so work continued, half on the construction crew, half on the security crew, holding spears, shield, and bows. Many labored with one hand with a tool, work tool, and the other hand they held a weapon. Swords were strapped. They worked tirelessly, not even changing their clothes. Somebody say stinky. The wet blanket committee is now desperate and desperate people take desperate steps so they send a servant with an open letter an open letter is similar to what we see now posted on social media have you seen this it's an individual writes an open letter to someone in authority a letter addressed to an individual by an individual but it's posted inviting others to read it the unsealed or open letter was on purpose 
so that the messenger, as he made his way to the destination, folk knew who the messenger was. And they saw the scroll, the letter in his hands, and they would say, hey, what's the message? And the letter would be read, spreading, spreading whatever was in the letter. The other kind of letter was a sealed letter. That was private. That's a private message. That's a PM. Sealed with wax and a stamp. The wet blanket committee enlisted the help of a homebound member of Nehemiah's community who sought to convince Nehemiah to meet with him in the temple, close the doors, and meet together. Whatever ailment this homebound member of the community had, he would not have been able to enter the temple. He would have been seen as unclean with his condition. And therefore, Nehemiah, to enter the temple, this individual would more than raise a few eyebrows. The punishment? Death. This trickery and desperation is not unlike David when he sent Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to the front lines of battle and had others withdraw so that Uriah would be killed. It had trickery and treachery written all over it. Nehemiah sees it. He doesn't fall for it. He lives. And construction continues. Now the wall is complete. They are protected from easy enemy attacks, and the people are assembled. The walls was built. Now it was time to build the people. To build the people on God's Word. Ezra, the scribe, he, he has his own story in his own book in the Bible. He brought out the, the book of the law of Moses. It's the first five books of the Bible that you brought with you to, to worship this morning. And he read and he read and he read and he read from early morning until midday. All the ears of the people were attentive and they listened closely. Standing on a wooden platform made for the occasion, Ezra praised God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen. They lifted their hands, they bowed down, they worshipped with their faces to the ground, and they wept as they listened to the Word of God, the book of Moses being read. Did you catch this worship scene described? Worship in Scripture is more descriptive than it is prescriptive. Their mindfulness, attentiveness, listening closely, their posture, lifted hands, bowing down faces on the ground, their response, weeping. No mention of some of the items we consider necessities. Nehemiah, now titled governor, speaks. He says, don't mourn or weep on such a day for this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. Go and celebrate with a feast. Share with one another. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Can you say that with me? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The wall was built. And the people were being built on the Word of God. And so they started with a reading from the book of the Law of Moses. And they worshipped. And as they read the book of the Law of Moses, they began ordering their lives based on the book of the Law of Moses. They began ordering their lives on Scripture pastoral question for you are you spending such time in scripture 
that you're being shaped by the Holy Spirit. We are being shaped by something always. Are you spending such time in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is shaping you? The Word of God is perfect. It's trustworthy, it's right, it's radiant, it's pure and firm. It refreshes, it makes wise, it grants joys, it gives light, it endures forever, and it brings righteousness, refreshed in soul, wise in mind, joyful in heart, luminous in vision, persevering in spirit, robed in righteousness. This is biblical prosperity. And the psalmist wrote of the treasure trove of the Word of God, more precious than gold, than much pure gold, sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By God's word, your servant is warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. You're being shaped by something. Are you spending such time in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is shaping you? On October 31st, the people gathered together again. The book of law was read again, and for three hours they confessed their sins. And they worshiped the Lord, their God. And then the leaders, leaders prayed, beginning with praise. That brings us to our scripture reading today, starting at Nehemiah 9, 5. It's the longest prayer recorded in the Bible. Confessing before a faithful God the history of a faithless people. They are honest about their ancestors' faithlessness and honest about God's faithfulness. Nehemiah 5, 9, 5. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, for He lives from everlasting to everlasting. May your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You are alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the sea and everything in them. You preserve them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. Down to verse 36. So now today we are slaves in the land of plenty that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. The lush produce of this land piles up in the hands of kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They have power over us and our livestock. We serve them at their pleasure. And we are in great misery. A prayer of praise reciting God's faithfulness and the people's faithlessness. They're refusing to obey. They're out of worship. They're terrible blasphemes, disobedient, rebelling. They are honest about their current context. And they were not only ready, but they were willing to make the necessary changes. The walls were built. Now the people are being built on God's Word with prayer, repentance, worship, honesty about their current context, and a willingness to make the necessary changes. The pain of the pain had become greater than the pain of change. The pain of the pain had become greater than the pain of change. That's when people... When organizations, 
And when churches change, when the pain of the pain becomes greater than the pain of change. The people responded, in view of all this, we are making a solemn promise and we're putting it in writing. A promise ratified, sealed, and signed. And all the people bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse if they failed to to obey. They made four promises in relation to marriage, honoring the Sabbath, upkeep of the temple, and tithing. So now with walls up, people dedicated, the people moved into the walled city, and it was time for a wall dedication. It was a joyous occasion. Songs of thanksgiving and music. Singers brought in from all around. Two choirs formed. And there were some trumpet-playing priests. Now the resettled, protected people set their eyes in hopeful anticipation of the Messiah who would come. Some 400 years later, Jesus arrives. The love of God the Father sent Jesus the Son. The love of Jesus the Son took Him to the cross for you. And the love of the Holy Spirit for you teaches us the love of the Father and the Son. And though Jesus was God, He didn't think of it equality with God as something that He would just hold on to. But he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the form of a slave. He was born as a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross for us. And therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Gave him the name that is above all names. That at his name, at the name of Jesus, every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The holy city, Jerusalem, and its temple is now the central focus. Holy, only because of the presence and the promises and mercifulness of God. Built, rebuilt on God's promises which point toward Jesus and toward the city that Abraham looked for. The city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. The apostle John saw this city. The holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, where God would dwell with His people forever. There the final temple is found, though not being built with wood and stone, but rather existing as Jesus Christ Himself. Their vision is our vision. Their hope is our hope. Their vision, our vision, their hope, our hope. John writes this, he said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people, and He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, there will be no more cancer, let the choir say amen. There will be no more COVID. All these things are gone forever. Their vision is our vision. Their hope 
is our hope. Nehemiah's people in trouble. The walls were built. The people were built on God's word. And there was much praying. Trouble. Walls. People. Praying. They were honest about their current context. Are we honest about our current context? We've got a great facility and great walls. We're built upon God's Word as followers of Jesus Christ. We spend time in God's Word allowing the Holy Spirit to shape us. Something shaping us. It might as well be the Holy Spirit, the good God who loves us. Let, let Him shape us rather than society or the news. We're praying individuals. I'm curious from a 1 to 10 being 1, not so good, 10 being great, the best we could ever do. How is our collective praying, not as individuals, but corporate praying, coming together in prayer? Trouble. Walls. People. Praying. We might as well start now as we respond. Number 714, I know whom I believe in.